Professors FM. Doug, as you know, we have joined the Professors FM podcast network. So it's extremely exciting. It's like for the first time in my life, I'm going to have academic friends. This is big. And as part of this, we're going to talk about some of the other shows on the network. One of the things we talk a lot about in terms of sports analytics is the role of incentives, right? It's all about incentives. And so one of the other shows on the network is called Taxes for the Masses, brought to you by Lisa DeSimone from the University of Texas and Bridget Stomberg from Indiana University. And so what these two ladies do is they dive into all things taxes. I think it's a great compliment to what we do. In some ways, there's nothing bigger in public policy than taxes in terms of shaping the economy and society because taxes change how people behave. So, you know, give it a listen. Great show. Analytics with Mike Lewis, the podcast where we talk about everything you need to know about sports analytics. Here's your host, Mike Lewis, marketing professor at Emory University. Hey, welcome everyone. This is Mike Lewis, Fanalytics Podcast. So this weekend, quite obviously, sports took a backseat. Um, sports was already taking a backseat, but it's you know, in the old minivan kind of example, it's moved to the third row at this point. That being said, there have been, I don't, I don't know if we should say have been some developments, but there's been some leakage in terms of the, the discussions that are taking place between leagues, ownership, and, and players. Some of these developments, I think, are, are fairly important in terms of where sports may end up on the other side of the, the COVID-19 pandemic. A Major League Baseball, in particular, seems to be having some contentious debates, some contentious negotiations in terms of resuming play. I, th- I think every league is going through some of the same basic issues, right? So the the general theme seems to be we're going to try and isolate the competitors. You know, we'll we'll play in uh, Phoenix or we'll play in Orlando. Uh, we will engage in testing. We will not have fans in the building or a very limited number of fans in the building. And that's kind of a key point in all this. Um, but a lot of the discussions seems to center around issues of safety. Fewer discussions about issues of revenue. Okay, But of course, you know, as the negotiations proceed... Revenue is in the re- the split between players and owners is of critical importance, right? I mean, it, it's it's an easy and obvious one if you if you think about that. This is this is the livelihood of the players. Uh, there's a lot of history of difficult labor relationships in all of sports, and negotiations tend to be hard fought. There's a lot of dollars in play, and both sides want to negotiate the best deal uh, possible. So as this is going on, and I mentioned baseball, baseball is especially interesting at the moment because baseball's current collective bargaining agreement expires at the end of the the 2021 season. So the negotiations between the, the players and the owners about the 2020 season would seem to be a precursor for what the negotiations are going to look like. 
now I will also say this, that collective bargaining agreements are one of my favorite topics. It's while when we usually talk about sports analytics, we tend to be talking about statistical models to analyze data. There's more to fully understanding how teams and leagues operate. The collective bargaining agreements really define the rules of the game. So the CBAs tend to cover things like free agency, the movement of players. They cover rules for the amateur draft, right? So if anyone's ever been concerned about their NBA team tanking to get a draft pick, well, guess what? The CBA is what sets the rules that dictate how teams tend to behave uh, as seasons go on, it looks like the, when it looks like they're not going to make the playoffs, uh, salary caps, revenue sharing, all of these factors that really dictate how rosters are built and how teams compete with each other are in general negotiated between the players' unions and the owners. Um, and like I said, of critical importance. If you want to understand how a league works, if you want to think about how you're going to build a roster. You've got to understand issues related to things like free agency, the draft, salary caps. Critical, critical stuff. So back to Major League Baseball. So the reports are that the players took a lump sum payment and then agreed to prorate based on the games played. Okay? Sounds fair, right? So the players, I I think the number they're talking about is the players got about $170 million. And then if the teams played 50% of the games half the season, then the players would get half their salaries, right? So if I was slated or a player was slated to make $20 million, they would get receive $10 million if half the games were played. But, and you know, going back to this earlier point about what happens, you know, ensuring the safety of fans, what happens if we play the games without fans, right? It is potentially devastating. So some very quick math on this. And I'm, you know, sort of work along with me on this one. So let's say, and I'm, I'm pulling this out. I'm not going to pull some numbers on this stuff. Uh, I'm going to do a, a guesstimate. So let's say an average revenue of $50 per fan. Right? So, and I'm just saying ticket prices. So let's say the average ticket is $50. Let's say on average we get 20,000 fans per game. That's a million dollars in revenue per game. Okay, if we do a 50% season, that's 81 games, 30 teams in Major League Baseball, that gets us to multiply all those numbers out, that gets us to $2.43 billion. So potentially these teams across the league are looking at a hit of 2.43 B with a B for billion dollars. But it's worse than that, right? In addition, you know, we haven't mentioned, I just started off by throwing out a number related to ticket revenues. So what, what do fans do at the games? Well, it's not just the ticket, right? Fans also pay to park. They pay to eat. They pay for souvenirs and clothing while at the stadium. So that $2.43 billion can quickly escalate. Um, and I think those are sort of some obvious sources of revenue. One thing that I think tends to be very quickly forgotten, and it's, it shouldn't be, right? Because any of us that go to games at this point in the year 2020 or 2019, if your memory serves, your, your senses are overwhelmed by the amount of advertising in the stadium, correct? 
right there are as, as you look from wherever you're seat, seating you will see signage for local and national corporations and international corporations throughout the arena or throughout the stadium well how do those sponsorships work a, a big part of how those sponsorships work is something called impressions so these deals are negotiated based on the number of eyes that see the ads so you can see how the revenue problems for the ownership really start to cascade, right? You, you've got, you've built these parking lots, you've built these seats, these concession stands, um, and the numbers become become enormous fairly quickly. Now, MLB has suggested uh, $4 billion in losses if they don't have the fans in the arena, uh, just based on our sort of back-of-the-envelope calculations for the, the loss of ticket revenue and then some speculation about sponsorship concessions, parking, and other assorted revenue streams, it's pretty clear that you can get to that number fairly quickly. It does not seem like Major League Baseball is doing a lot of, a lot of uh, exaggeration at this point. Now, backdrop for this is that historically negotiations between teams and players have been tough in MLB. There used to be regular work stoppages. I, I think before the year 2000, there was, uh, I forget the exact details, but it was almost every time they did a CBA, there ended up being a strike or a lockout. Now, there's been a time of relative, uh, of relative peace, but it's also been a time of relative plenty. If we are looking at the, the 2020 season that we are looking at in terms of a decimating effect on revenues, I suspect we are going to look at a very contentious uh, off-season and uh, CBA negotiation. Now, I'll also add to this that I did some work related to, well, the issues of revenue sharing and competitive balance a few years ago. And, th- and this gets back to why I find this to be a really interesting topic for sports analysis. In, in the case of revenue sharing, the, the issue I was looking at was, the, and, and again, this, is, this seems recent to me, but it's actually kind of a longer-term history. Uh, around the year 2000, Major League Baseball went through a period where it seemed like the Yankees were going to win every World Series. You know, they had these enormous payrolls, and you know, some of the, the smaller market teams, the Pittsburghs, the Kansas Cities, the Tampa Bays, really tended to suffer. So Major League Baseball had some negotiations and decided to institute a form of revenue sharing that basically rewarded the small market teams for, well, the revenue sharing was higher if your local revenues were lower. This caused a a near-term impact of seemingly, right? There could be other things going on. But looking at the data, a near-term impact was a reduction in payrolls in some of these smaller markets, which almost well, and uh, look, I'll put it out there, which to me appears to be a, an occasion of almost kind of season-level tanking, right? So I have basically have a very small payroll. I'm saving some money that way. And by having that small payroll, I'm going to lose a lot of games. And therefore, I'm actually going to reduce my local revenues and I'm going to get a bigger check from, from MLB. So my point in terms of the research, and I'll, I'll put a link to the, the blog on this one, is that what really needs to happen to be effective is you've got to work towards having the incentives aligned. 
And so in the case of revenue sharing, you know, my thought was you needed a formula where there was an incentive or let's say bonus payments or more revenue sharing for small market teams. Okay, I'm not going to pretend that being a small market team doesn't really hurt you in terms of revenue potential, but that you need to have an incentive out there to continue to field an outstanding product because at the end of the day, and this is where I'm talking about in terms of aligning incentives, at the end of the day, you've got to have the teams and the leagues all trying to put a product out there that appeals to the fans. Okay, Now I could extend that. The teams, the league, the players, all putting a product out there that's going to appeal to the fans. So looking forward to the next CBA negotiation, I can foresee Major League Baseball being in a really precarious situation uh, in, in terms of how these negotiations may play out in terms of the various incentives. If there is this you know, decimating revenue effect in the, for the 2020 season, $4 billion in losses, what is that going to do to, you know, for example, the free agent class of, you know, that, that, that occurs from 2020 to 2021 over the winter? It's likely that that market is going to be incredibly soft, which could result in player contracts actually taking a taking a step back, being decreased, um, you know, taking a, a relatively significant hit. And there is a there is a larger point to this, right? In that, you know, we've had a lot of discussion, you know, as the economy has started to be reopening, right? The the hope that we're going to see some type of a V shaped recovery, right? So we've had a dramatic turn down of the economy, you know, 20% unemployment, maybe a 30% hit in GDP. And now we're going to see a rapid recovery uh, where other folks suggest that, you know, maybe there's going to be negative feedback effects and it's going to be a much stickier, more difficult U-shaped or even L-shaped economic situation. Major League Baseball is going to sort of be a micro example of that so when teams take these hits these massive revenue hits in terms of local revenues what does that cause them to do does that that cause a are they able to absorb that and then go back to business as usual or will we see some type of a retrenchment right are we going to see uh, less investment in free agents are we going to see a reduction in front office staff? Or are, we going, are they going to experience having to renegotiate to lower sponsorship deals? Right? So is it going to be a, you know, is 2020 going to be this anomaly? Or is 2020 going to be this structural break that shifts things downward? That is going to create an enormously challenging environment for a CBA to be negotiated. And and I don't think it's far-fetched to, to put it out there that the future of Major League Baseball in terms of does it maintain its position as America's number two sport, um, you know, sort of right up there with the NFL, or does it take a sizable step back and almost, you know, sort of reset at a slightly lower level? And it's all going to be based on, you know, can these can these ownership groups and can the player groups find ways to align align their incentives and come up with a solution that 
really, and this, this is often very true and it almost sounds cliched, can these groups get together and figure out a way to align their incentives to actually making the fans, making the product what the fans really want and desire? Okay, um, beyond, uh, beyond today and sort of the, the world of sports being a little bit in limbo, we are continuing on with our Fanalytics University. Uh, I, I mentioned we, we were having some technical difficulties, which is why I'm doing the podcast alone this week. Uh, hopefully we can get those resolved. And we are, uh, we're still planning at this point to have uh, class two in which I will detail a framework for doing sports analytics or fandom analytics uh, to have that out to you guys on Thursday of this week. So uh, looking forward to talking again a little bit later in the week.